James chapter 1. Today's sermon is simply titled, A Mature Response to Temptation. You say, Josh, you should be preaching a sermon today about hope in the midst of troubled times. And uh, I know there's a lot of people. You could probably log off of our live feed and go find 15 others that are going to be preaching something similar to that. But the Lord impressed upon me to stay right in our series. Uh, Next verse, next chapter in the book of James. Um, And today we're going to be talking about a mature response to temptation. Last week we unpacked the first truth that James decided to tell those uh, Messianic Jews in the dispersion, those who had been dispersed throughout the world, the known world at the time. Uh, And James addressed them as the servant of Jesus Christ. Remember, he had his identity uh, fixed on Jesus. We learned that the first week. His identity was not in the fact that he was the half-brother of Jesus Christ or that he was the pastor of a massive church there in Jerusalem. His identity was a servant of Jesus Christ. This servant of Jesus Christ spoke to the dispersed Jews. And we talked last week about problems in our lives. How ironic that we highlighted the fact that God is sovereign even in the problems and the trials of life. And seven days later, as our country has has very much so changed since last week's sermon, God is sovereign even in the problems and the trials of life. But we talked about the trials and the problems that we face. And make no mistake about it, we will face problems. Your problems may be different than my problems, and my problems are going to be different than someone else's problems, but we will face problems. In today's text, we're going to talk about a different word, not problems or trials, even though this word is actually translated from the same original word. This word is temptation. Temptation. Trials, tempt, tempted, temptation, all of those words are translated from the same original language word. We'll see this word translated as trials in some instances, and we'll see it translated as temptations in other instances in Scripture. And while the words may come from the same original language, uh, they will take on different meanings. I love this. How do we know when the word should be trials or when the word should be temptation? Uh, it's my fav- one of my favorite words in studying Scripture. That word is context. If you've been to Keystone Church much at all, you will find that I will use that word often. We must understand this verse in context. And so we must understand the context of Scripture to understand differentiating between trials and temptations. This morning, let's jump into our text, James chapter 1, beginning in verse 13. James writing says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. The desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits 
of his creatures. Heavenly Father, speak through your word today. Even in a unique circumstance like we face, we pray that your word would reign supreme. It's our final authority. It's what we build our life upon. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I mean, this is a very important text today. Obviously, the theme of temptation is very important in the life of a believer. However, there's actually a broader uh, theological theme that comes through in this text that will help us shape our view of the character of God. And we need to understand as we read our Bibles and as we hear our Bibles, uh, the Bible preached by others, that we need to, we need to have a proper view of God from a 30,000 foot view, the, the theology of His character. We need to understand who God is and and what God does and how God feels so that we can properly interpret Scripture as a whole. And so this uh, text actually helps us um, to understand the character of God. And while we do want to take each passage at face value and we don't want to read so far into it that we dilute the truth, we do also want to know the context and the character of God as it relates to each text and passage that we preach or that we read. And so let's dive in today to this text. Number one, I want us to see that God tempts no one to sin. God tempts no one to sin. Verse 13, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God for God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one. He himself tempts no one. Here's another verse, if you, the beginning of the verse, where we need to understand the use of the word when. Let no man, let no one say when he is tempted. This is not an if situation. This is a when situation. Temptation will come in your life. But when we see the word temptation, when we experience temptation in our lives, we must first understand This important truth that temptation is not of God. Temptation is not from God. He is not the author nor the initiator of temptation. While God may allow temptation in our lives, we see that in the book of Job throughout the entire book. We see it in the life of Christ himself. While God may permit or allow temptation in our lives, he is not the author of or the initiator of temptation. Temptation comes from one place, and that is from its father, the devil, Satan himself. And while God may allow it, he does not ever initiate it. But what about the sovereignty of God, Josh? We talked about God's sovereignty last week a little bit. What about the sovereignty of God? Where does that come into play? How does the sovereignty of God look when we're talking about temptation in our lives? Doesn't God have the power? What? How does that work? And this is an important question. It's a tough question that I want to briefly address. What is the sovereignty of God? What is the sovereignty of God? I give it this definition. It is God's absolute right to do all things, whether directly or indirectly, in his omnipotence and omniscience, according to his own good pleasure. It's God's ability and right to do what as he pleases, whether directly, where it's obvious, or indirectly, where he seems to be hidden. God's sovereignty. 
God possesses the power and the ability to directly intervene at any moment, at any time in our lives. But that does not mean that God initiates evil and temptation. That is opposite of the character of God. In fact, this verse tells us that very clearly. God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one. So while God may allow temptation in our lives as he did in my life just this week and today and will tomorrow and temptation will come in our lives just as it did in the life of Christ where he was tempted after fasting in the wilderness for 40 days as it did in the life of Job where Job had literally everything happen to him physically. We think we, think we have it bad, just think of Job. He will allow temptation. He is not the author or the initiator of temptation because God is perfectly sinless and we are utterly sinful. So we need to see first off that God tempts no one to sin, but secondly this morning, let's see that Satan tempts us with our own desires. Satan tempts us with our own desires. Verse 14, each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then when desire Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. As believers, we must understand and study how Satan uses temptation in our lives. We must understand that Satan wants to to trick us and to, to lure us in to simply follow our own desires. He uses our flesh. For the first eight weeks of the new year, we spoke on an identity series, All Things New, how the gospel shapes my identity. And we spoke in there of the fact that our old man is crucified. Our old man is dead. We have been given a new nature. We are a new person in Christ. However, we will battle our flesh for the rest of our lives. Those ideas in our head that we can make it on our own. Satan uses that flesh. He uses that flesh in temptation. And here's the process that Satan seems to use in temptation. First, we see deception that he would use in temptation. All the way back in Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve. Satan comes and he begins to deceive. To deceive Adam and Eve. He begins to lie to them, to tell them things that God's word did not say. To get them to question God's word unknowingly very cunningly, with great skill, Satan began, even in Genesis chapter 3, deception. Deception. By the way, the true nature of the word deception is obviously a a lie. He's not going to come out and say, at this very moment I am tempting you with evil. It's deception. He's very deceptive. He's the father of lies. Satan deceives us into merely following our flesh. Satan deceives us into merely agreeing with ourselves. Deception. That's the first step of temptation as Satan tempts us, lures us away, entices us by our own desires. Deception. Secondly, we see our desires then. So Satan deceives. He, he, he dangles the fruit out there and then 
we begin to desire it. We begin to have fleshly desires. We begin to be lured away and enticed by our own desires, as the text tells us. Temptation gets us to chase that little minnow in the water. And then as we bite down on that minnow in the water, we realize that we've bitten into a hook and we're caught and we're stuck because deception, the minnow, led to our desire. And when we clamp down, we find out there was a hook there that we had no clue was there. We bite into that hook of sin. Temptation knows how to appeal to our desire through its author, Satan himself. These desires, the kind of desires that drive people into sin, the desire for pornography in men and women and children, by the way, the the desire of pride to elevate ourselves more than we ought to think, The, the desire of dishonesty to maybe stretch or twist the truth so that we have the upper hand. Uh, the desire this morning of disobedience, of I don't really want to do what I know I'm supposed to do. And I'm just going to defiantly and rebelliously disobey. Those fleshly desires that come into our lives, brought on by the deceiver, deception, desires. Thirdly, we see then disobedience. We partake in the sin. Listen, we've been deceived into thinking that it's not that bad. We begin to desire it in our flesh. And then we act upon it. And can I say this morning, if you find yourself being deceived by the devil into thinking that your sin or the sin that he is presenting to you is not all that bad, and if you catch yourself in your flesh beginning to desire to give in, to desire the deception that the devil is bringing into your life, it will not be long before you act upon it in disobedience. I stress to every husband or wife this morning, for the sake of your marriage, if you are being deceived into thinking that the grass is greener on the other side and, and, and Satan has been whispering lies that your marriage is not, uh, is not something that you need to invest in and your marriage is not something that you need to commit to for the rest of your life. He's been deceiving you and you've been desiring. You've, you've started to maybe look around and you've started to look over in that other field over there to see if it, there could be better things outside of your marriage. Let me say this. You are merely one step away from acting upon your deceitful desires may i beg you this morning husband wife to cut those deceitful desires off through the power of the holy spirit in him alone you see satan will deceive you then your flesh will desire and eventually you will disobey and you'll commit those acts of sin that none of us want to talk about lastly what does it bring it brings death Sin, when it runs its course, brings death. Husband, wife, brings the death of your marriage. Uh, jobs, it brings the death. Joy, happiness in your life often. Giving in to those fleshly, dece- deceitful desires and disobeying. It's the death of your joy, the death of your happiness, the death 
of your freedom in Christ. This morning, I'm not here just to paint a bad picture, but I want us to understand the severity this morning of temptation in our lives. Hey, I'd be foolish this morning. I'd be foolish to not take the sin that is being thrown into my life by the devil and that's, been, that's being thrown all over the billboards and all over the YouTube ads and all over the, 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 the television, all over the every, everything we consume. I'd be foolish this morning not to take it seriously. God created Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and I firmly believe God created them to live a long, forever fruitful life. And sin physically for them brought forth death. Sin will bring forth death in many different ways in your life. Can I say that whatever sin you may be flirting with this morning, it's not worth it. Whatever sin in your life uh, that, that you are allowing to stay, that you're giving place in your life, it's not worth it. It's not worth it this morning. Because the devil is the author. He's the initiator of the deception of sin. So we see that God tempts no one to sin. We see that Satan tempts us with our own desires can i say this this morning that a true follower of jesus who is in submission to the holy spirit of god and his or her life will be in a constant battle with his or her flesh as temptation arises on a consistent basis listen if you're a follower of jesus rest assured you will battle temptation on a consistent basis through the power of the Holy Spirit and through the Holy Spirit alone, maturing Christians, those of us, James, a theme of the whole book of James, maturing in Christ, a maturing Christian will begin to see victories over those temptations, not through his own power, not through uh, picking up his bootstraps and not through trying a little harder or going to church a little more or reading an extra chapter in the Bible or, or, or listing, uh, going through the prayer list a little bit longer. No, it'll be through the power of Jesus Christ in our life through his Holy Spirit. We can see maturing Christians victorious over temptation. I want to close this morning and I know I want to be aware of the time. I say that every week, so just get ready. God is forever faithful. God is forever faithful. Do not be deceived, verse 16, my beloved brothers. Verse 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of His own will He brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of His creatures. So, Believer, how do we deal with intense temptation in our lives? How do we deal with the fact that the father of lies, the author of confusion, deceives us? How do we deal with that? How in this world can we maintain a proper view of our lives when we're being bombarded by the, by the devil himself? How about how do we act when we're in the middle of temptation? When temptation is hitting us in our lives currently, how do we deal with that? Can I say this, that we need to remember that God is faithful. God is faithful. He is forever faithful. He is faithful for our justification, the day that we trusted Him in salvation. 
He was faithful for our justification. And the day you got saved, you understood that and He was forever faithful to you. Well, can I say this? He is just as faithful in your sanctification. If He was faithful for you when you got saved in your justification, then he is, he is faithful for you right now in your sanctification as you mature and grow as a Christian believer. He is faithful. God never changes yesterday, today, forever. He stays the same. He is the same. He is forever faithful. There is no variation in Him. There is no change in Him. You're not going to get a different version of God in 10 years that you get today. And, and today's version of God is not a different version of God than they had in the New Testament. No, God is forever faithful. He chose to give you a new birth and to give me a new birth through the word of truth, as it says here in this text. And this is the foundation of what we call grace. Grace. That God is faithful. And by His own will, He brought us forth by the word of truth. That's grace. He didn't have to do that. You didn't deserve that and your depravity and my depravity and the sin that we were born in. But God in His grace brought us forth by the word of truth. Because God is faithful. He is our faithful creator. We were created by Him. We belong to Him. Our, our identity is wrapped up in Him and not in our sin this morning. And we can face temptation this morning. Why? How? Because God is faithful. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. I'm sure if you're a student of the Bible, you've been waiting for this verse, this entire sermon. And here it is. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but will with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. In your might, no. In your power, no. In your service, no. In your giving, no. In your good works, no, you can, you can escape temptation and bear that temptation. Why this morning? Because God is faithful. If you miss everything else, don't miss those three words this morning. In temptation, God is faithful. In the middle of your temptation, when it's happening to you currently, God is faithful. When you're dealing with the, with the temptation at work, God is faithful. When you're dealing with that internal temptation that no one else knows about. Young people, your, your friends don't know about it. Mom and dad, your kids don't know about it. Kids, your mom and dad don't know about it. <coughs> that temptation. God is faithful. God is faithful. As we close this morning, may we understand, as followers of Jesus, Satan is targeting us. Especially those who have truly surrendered their heart and lives to follow Jesus to wherever he will lead. Satan has a target. And that target is squarely on your back. Honestly, 
Satan has probably studied your life and your flesh and paid more attention to it than you have and has probably constructed a plan specifically for your life of how he can derail you, not from your eternal salvation, but he can derail you from your spiritual maturity and sanctification, how he can derail you from your growth in your Christian life, how he can derail you from maturing as a Christian. And he deep roots that sin inside of your flesh, that deceptive desire inside of your life. And you're a follower of Christ. How many of you have been there? I see those hands. Just kidding, I don't. But I'm a follower of Jesus. Why am I being tempted so hard with sin? I'm a follower of Christ and I love Jesus. Why does everything seem to be going the opposite way of what it seems like it needs to go? Listen, Satan is out to destroy your life. He tempts you. You say, oh yeah, I mean, he'll tempt me a little bit. No, with Jesus, he had gone 40 days without food. And what does Satan tempt him with? Food. As I joke oftentimes, if I go four hours without food and someone tempts me with food, it's over. All right? I'm, I'm in. I can't imagine 40 days. But this morning, as you live your Christian life and you experience temptation on every side, God is faithful. God is faithful. I beg you this morning to repent. To repent of the times where you have taken that third step. Deception, desire, disobedience. I beg you this morning to to give your heart, to give your desires, to give your feelings back to Christ. I beg you this morning to resist the devil. And Scripture tells us he will flee. To resist him and he will go away. Repent. Change your mind. Sure. True repentance. Change your actions. There's some people who probably need to do some serious repenting because that temptation of sin has been in our lives for so long and we've just gotten accustomed to giving in and giving in and giving in. God is faithful during times of temptation, every waking breath of our lives. Repent, turn to Him, and He will lead you through. Today was simply a mature response to temptation. Thanks for listening today. If you're listening for the first time, we would love to hear from you. Maybe you have a question about the gospel of Jesus. If so, we'd like you to send us an email at hello at keystonerdu.church. If you're a regular listener to our podcast and you would like to donate to the media ministry and outreach ministry of Keystone, your gift would allow us to do more in an effective way to get the gospel out. Thank you for partnering with us in ministry in Durham and all around the world. Visit keystonerdu.church to get involved.